Let's finish this up. Did you two break up? That chick's whacked. Or history. Just left out a couple of things. Uh, rust proofing. Rust proofing? Transport charge. Storage surcharge. Additional overcharge. Finder's fee. Finder's fee was on the lot. Yeah, that's right. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hey, Ivan, high five. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging, bro. <laughs> you going to give me my yellow sub? No, it's meant to be black sub. <laughs> Why is it yellow? Can't give you a black in that price. <laughs> that price, no. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about Seinfeld, the greatest sitcom of all time. But uh, we're a bit different to your regular Seinfeld podcast. Myself, Ivan, and my buddy Stephen over there, we talk about the secondary characters from each episode in random order. And uh, as you've probably guessed, we are talking about Season 9's The Dealership. Yeah, I'd say a classic episode, especially for Season 9. Yeah, I mean, it was funny in parts. I mean, with George, he's just intense, isn't he? He really flies off the handle, doesn't he? He's just, he's literally angry from the first scene he's in to the very end when he yells, Twix, isn't he? Yeah, I feel like before this episode, something happened and it just made him on edge for the whole episode. Well, he hates car salesmen. He said that his dad got, had an experience with a car salesman where you know how he bought a car and then it came and arrived and it wasn't what he wanted. So he's had it in for car salesmen ever since. Yeah, true. I don't know. It just feels like something happened in the lead up to the episode and he was just dialed up to 10 straight away. He was pretty hungry, though. Maybe he was just hangry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it does sort of typify the season nine George of him just being angry all the time. Yeah. That's one real shift you notice between, you know, after the end of season seven and, and then into season eight, nine, he's just a lot more angry and frustrated and explosive. Yeah, well, I mean, he lost his dream job at the Yankees. So, you know, he's got nothing left to live for. He's like, oh, geez, I'll just get angry at everything. I'll become an angry old man. Maybe he actually does feel some sadness about Susan's death, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't know how to process it because he doesn't know how to be an emotional human mm, maybe i mean last week we did do the invitations so uh maybe that was <laughs> maybe the the death of susan became the start of uh, his anger yeah maybe the grief and guilt is uh manifesting as rage because <laughs> he doesn't know how to process emotions correctly maybe well too bad we're not talking about him in this episode unfortunately but uh i've got some notes today on some other uh, secondary characters steve i've got notes on rick he's the driver or the uh, car salesman who drives with kramer as well as the mechanic don who loves his chocolates and uh, willie and willie senior who do you have notes on uh yeah i've got notes on those four characters and just a couple on David Putty nice. uh, in the context of this episode. We did do an episode on David Putty. Uh, I think it was episode 45 or 50, if my memory serves me correct. And we did that with Stacy. Uh, it's a what's the deal with episode that we used to do a while back. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear our full take uh, on David Putty. For sure. Yeah, you can find out more about him. But uh, we do love bringing up these characters again and uh, talking about them in the context of the episodes. Yeah, that's right. I think it's important because there's always little details we've missed in the what's the deal with episodes. Uh, if you uh, have any additional details you can email us at bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com that's b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c podcast at gmail.com we're on all the social medias so you can say hello on twitter instagram facebook or reddit uh, you can listen to previous episodes of our podcast on whatever service you choose and uh, if you feel like it you can leave us a five-star rating and review let us know what you think that would be awesome and uh, finally as of recently we've decided to restart our patreon yes that's right so for a dollar or two a month uh, you can get some perks but uh, between now and may the first we're actually offering free signups uh, for new subs and uh, also for free for existing subs. Yeah, that's right. And uh, if you do sign up between now and May 1st, 
first and you won't be charged. You'll get all the benefits regardless of uh, the tier that you sign up to. And uh, as of May 1st, you will be billed to for uh, one or two dollars a month, depending on how much you've signed up for. That's right. And uh, yeah, and if you can make a one-off donation to PayPal if you want, if you don't want a, a commitment on Patreon, you can uh, yeah donate to that as well, and uh, all your money will go towards the podcast. Indeed, indeed. Anyway, let's jump straight into the episode, Steve. Let's talk about Seinfeld isms, the intersectionality of Seinfeld and real life. And I have a Seinfeldism, but uh, what do you have first? I unfortunately have zero this week. <gasps> Isn't that funny? Whenever you don't have a Seinfeldism, I have one, and whenever I don't have one, you have like eight. I Incredible. think it's just the Seinfeld gods making it so that our episodes aren't too bloated. Yeah, of course. Well, my Seinfeldism is a little bit bleak. Um, last Thursday, I was actually admitted to hospital because I had chest pains, and luckily everything's okay. I, I just have inflammation of the um, or the pericardium. It's the outer sac of the heart, so I just have to take some medication to bring that down. So yeah, I'm very thankful, very lucky it wasn't anything serious, but my Seinfeldism was that I got admitted to hospital and I thought I had a heart attack, and I actually didn't. And Stephen was hopefully going to come visit me, and we could have gone to see like a quack naturopath or something, like Tor Ekman. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have done that to you. So, <laughs> this year's been hard enough, I wouldn't subject you to that. No, fair enough. But yeah, I'm doing okay, I'm, I'm recovering really well, and uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting because I was like, hang on, I'm in hospital, and I thought I had a heart attack, but I didn't have a heart attack. So I'm like, George, perfect. Yeah, and I didn't turn up and try and put a pillow over your face either. No, not yet. And I didn't turn purple from drinking some weird concoction. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good Seinfeldism. I like that one. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Anyway, buddy, Seinfeld News. How many news articles do you have this week? Uh, actually, quite a few to get through. Oh, boy. Uh, so the first one is another update on the uh, ongoing GoFundMe that uh, Larry David and his buddy, the real-life Lloyd Braun, set up about two, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, and that was to help out all the caddies at the Riviera Golf Club, mm-hmm. which is in California. Larry and Lloyd are both members there. And because of COVID-19, obviously, the golf club is shut down. And they set up a GoFundMe to help pay their wages while uh, everything's not, well, everything's shut up. As of recording, they're up to about 139,000 US, which is really cool. So their initial goal was 100 grand and they reached that, I think, in two, maybe three days. And then they've upped it to 150 and they're slowly getting there. So that's uh, it's good to see that people are still donating money. I think last week it was maybe at 120, 125. So it's still going up pretty healthily. Fantastic. Second bit of news. Normally, I don't report on these sorts of things um, because they're kind of not really news per se. But given the amount of time that people are spending indoors and uh, the amount of Netflix that people are watching, and this one is only relevant to people here in Australia, Seinfeld is actually now available on Foxtel Now, which is a streaming service for one of our cable channels uh, in Australia called Foxtel. So if you are a Foxtel customer or you're thinking about signing up to Foxtel Now and you need a extra incentive, Seinfeld is now available to you. If you don't have Stan or Amazon Prime, then sure. Yeah, if, if for some reason you like wasting money or spending more money than you need to and are a Foxtel loyalist... Or fin- then, filling uh, Murdoch's yeah. pockets with money, then sure. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Why not? Why not? But, you know, Foxtel gets a bit of criticism over its price, but uh, Seinfeld makes it a bit more valuable, I guess. Well, in Australia now, Seinfeld's on three platforms. Like I mentioned, Stan is an Australia-only service, Amazon Prime, and, and Foxtel now. So you've got three options besides the DVDs. The third bit of news is another Larry David piece. So <laughs> through the week, the mayor of California, oh, sorry, the governor of California, his name is Gavin Newsom, he has obviously been trying to uh, send a, you know, a, a serious message about social distancing because California is one of the hardest hit states in America yeah. at the moment. And they're in full lockdown. And right, uh, I think. Yeah, I think mm. so. Yeah, I think yeah. they're in a full lockdown. And obviously trying to drive the message to a certain percentage of people is a bit difficult. So to help out, he actually uh, got Larry David to create and uh, issue a PSA. And uh, in typical Larry David style, he's actually quite insulting. Um, he calls <laughs> anyone who doesn't stay inside uh, 
are idiots. He says, I basically want to address the idiots out there and you know who you are. (laughs) Uh, It's actually pretty funny. I did share it on our social media through the week. So uh, it goes on to say that you're going out. don't know what you're doing. You're socializing too close. It's not good. You're hurting old people like me. Well, not me. I have nothing to do with you. I'll never see you. But other, let's say other old people who might be your relatives, who the hell knows? Uh, So yeah, yeah, go and check that out. If you just go to Gavin Newsom's Twitter or our social media feed, I think I put it on Twitter and maybe Facebook. Yeah, you'll be able to watch it. It's actually quite funny. Very good. Yeah, it was pretty funny when you showed it to me. I was was pissing myself. (laughs) So good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like if Larry David tells you something, like I understand, you know, there are a lot of people out there who maybe don't think that it's necessary to stay inside for most of the day. Um, They're a bit reluctant. I know in America, personal freedom is such a big part of the country. So, you know, naturally, there's going to be a chunk of people who may be not compliant with that. But I feel like if Larry David, if I was one of those people, you know, and and I was a bit like, you know what, I'm I'm going to do what I want anyway. But if Larry David was like, you're an idiot, you need to stay inside, I'm going to be like, you know what, you're right. You've convinced me, Larry. 100%. So, yeah, so hopefully Larry's PSA has convinced those, uh, that small percentage of people who are still disobeying what is considered good medical information. The fourth bit of news I have, and this is the second last, is a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned when the coronavirus situation really started sort of ramping up and, you know, most of the countries of the world started to go into lockdown and businesses and economies started shutting down. One little sort of positive that came out of it was that people were sort of pitching just on social media, COVID-19 and quarantine related Seinfeld ideas for shows. Yeah, yeah. And most people's ideas were just one sentence or two sentences, like basically the little synopsis. A writer by the name of Tom Van Kalken or Kalken, he's actually taken it one step further and he's written a full coronavirus script. I'm talking like 80 pages, fully fleshed out script. Oh, wow. Uh, there's actually, a, yeah, he actually sent it to the AV Club, which is a really good website for like TV culture and movie culture and just sort of media culture in general. And in an email to the AV Club, he actually said that after watching all the, all nine seasons of Seinfeld, because he was in self-quarantine, he decided to knock out an original spec, spec script for the series. Wow. And that, you know, given all the negativity in the world at the moment, you know, that it might sort of bring a, a bit of humor and a bit of joy to people's lives. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I, gar- I, I haven't read the whole thing. I've sort of... <laughs> I've scanned through it. Is it as good as our season uh, 10? No, it definitely is. Oh, <laughs> season 10 series. It's, it's, it's definitely set the standard for season 11, I think. Oh, my God. It's set, it's set the mark very high. <laughs> I'm so, going to rewrite some of the I episodes. I, I don't think we can knock out 10 or 12 like full scripts, no, but um, no. it's definitely set a new standard. Oh, my goodness. Um, but this guy's a professional writer. Like He's a script writer anyway, so for him, it's his bread and butter. Oh, man, I have um, to read that. Have to, 100%. Yeah, no, it's really, really, really good. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's a good one. Love it. I really like that one. Uh, and the final bit of news is another Larry David piece. So. Oh, Oh, my goodness. He's, um, he's popular, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. No, he's been all over it. Through the week, he conducted a really, really awesome, I, I would almost say like a profile piece uh, with the New York Times. It's an interview and there's some really good photos that go along with the article. Um, and the the interviewer and the writer of the article basically talked to Larry about what he's been doing uh, in quarantine. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And, you know, obviously it's typical Larry David. He's just sort of being a jerk about it. And in this article, it's actually kind of nice to see Larry being human as well. Like he's obviously being his normal cynical self but uh he kind of talks about really regular things and it makes him even more relatable i think he talks about you know he's been killing time watching uh ozark which has just come out with the third season i'm a massive fan of that show yeah you've been watching um, that show you set off here yeah no it's really really good i binged the third season i think in two days and it's a pretty intense watch so that's how much i like it the interviewer asked him as well if he's been on the tiger king bandwagon which most of the world has mm. and he said that he could only watch one episode because he goes those people are all too insane 
insane. I can't I can't deal with the fact that these people exist. They're even They're more all insane than Larry. Yeah, and I just me. thought, like, I understand that because Ivan and I were talking about that show before we started recording, and obviously it's very topical and very popular at the moment, and everyone's talking about it and just losing their minds over the fact that these people exist. But for me personally, I, I really enjoy it, but I can only watch one episode at a time because it's just too... They're too wacky. They're yeah. too zany. I can't watch it. I'm like, I need to. I need a day between each episode just to sort of get my head around it. I was saying to you, it's like so, watching an episode of Jerry Springer. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> yeah. just Jerry Springer with cats instead of like teen mums. Yeah. So it was cool that you know he he shared my well to a, to an extent my sentiments about uh, the Tiger King. But yeah, it's a really really good article, and you know New York Times is obviously a, a really good like has a really high standard of writing and the way it's laid out and the photos as well. Like it's got photos of him. The photographer obviously went over his house and took photos from outside his house and it sort of got him almost like as a prisoner inside his own house like looking sort of quite upset in his house just being glum and depressed and Larry David-ish yeah. uh, through his window. It's really, really cool. Uh, so lots of reading this week. you got a Seinfeld script Indeed. and uh, a really long New York Times Larry David article. And, it's all and that's Larry all the Seinfeld David. Week. Yeah, very good, mate. Yeah, it's all, I was just saying it was all Larry David-filled stuff or most of it. Jeez, crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's obviously, obviously when the rest of the world's trapped inside it's like now's my time to shine. That's it, man. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk about some secondary characters from today's episode season 9 episode 11 the dealership hello folks matt mccoy here aka lloyd braun from seinfeld and i'm telling you right now i do not want to be a secondary character so the dealership first aired in the U.S. on January 8th, 1998, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Steve Corrin. In this episode, Jerry goes to buy a new car from Putty, who's been promoted to the sales floor. But after Elaine breaks up with Putty again, Jerry is worried that he won't get a good deal on the car. George seeks revenge on a mechanic named Don, played by John McCrary, after he accuses the mechanic of stealing his candy bar. Kramer takes the same car Jerry's looking at out on a long test drive to see how far he can go on free gas without filling up the tank. And I love the Thelma and Louise references in this uh, subplot. Yeah, no, it's good. And other secondary characters are Daniel Hagen. He plays Rick. He's the salesman who drives along with Kramer. He is, I guess, the Louise to uh, Kramer's Thelma. Uh, Michael Hagen is the servicing manager, Willie, and uh, Howard Mann plays his father, Willie Senior. A nickel. A nickel. <laughs> A nickel. <laughs> I love that scene because everyone's kind of having their own conversation and George just wants to be the centre of attention That's but right. no one, no one's listening to him and they're all kind of talking about their own random things and it's just <laughs> this big chaotic mess of a conversation and I, I love it so much. It's so well done. I, I like how it's like Twix is like, no, I, I don't eat coconut. It's like Twix doesn't have coconut. <laughs> yeah. It's the only candy with the cocky crunch. Is that the one with the chocolate swirls? They all have chocolate swirls. Chocolate swirls in the commercial. I know. George no, gets that's, that's, so nuts. Yeah, he gets, uh, yeah, his rage comes out. One thing that comes to mind though is, I mean, if George didn't have much money to buy a Twix and he was able to do like a Twix lineup, how did he have the money to get the Twix? I don't know. He could have just taken those, what, eight Twix or whatever he bought and just eaten them and been happy. Yeah. He, his rage got the better of him. Yeah, that was and a instead bit of, of just... No, it's just the rage got the better of him. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like, I didn't get it. I'm like, yeah, why didn't he just eat them? You know, why did he have to do that lineup? <laughs> he only wanted one Twix. Somehow he got eight. They don't yeah. explain it. No. He could have been eight times happier than he was. <laughs> but uh, like I said, his rage got the better of him yeah. and it overrid a, a simple solution just to prove a point he's that petty really weird he's happy to sacrifice eight twigs to maybe get one twigs back that's how fucking petty he is <laughs> very petty indeed well anyway with trivia for the episode steve i only have a couple of uh, trivia facts i have one where it's this is one of the rare episodes where neither monks or jerry's apartment are featured yeah i think there's only one or maybe two other episodes yeah, but that's the, the case the puerto rican day from memory one of the last episodes of seinfeld and i think there was another one somewhere i think the parking garage yeah. from season three and yeah. uh, a few others yeah yeah, yeah maybe um the 
the the, uh, the trip. Yeah, the trip, the subway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. actually, this, yeah, the Chinese restaurant, there's actually quite a few, mm, now yeah. that I think about it. This was actually the first episode to air after uh, Jerry Seinfeld announced on Boxing Day 1997 that the series would end the following May. Yes, and for those outside of Australia, Boxing Day for us is December 26th. Yeah. Just in case is wondering. that the same everywhere? I don't think America has Boxing Day. I think it's like Australia and the UK or something. Yeah, oh, I think it's more okay. the Commonwealth countries. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, no one knows the history of Boxing Day. When I was a kid, I thought it was something to do with the Boxing Kangaroo. And it has nothing to do with the boxing kangaroo. Maybe it's something to do with like getting rid of your boxes, or I, I don't know. Yeah, but I it's it just an extra public that. holiday. Yeah, an extra a day after Christmas. Yeah, it's a day. It's a day where you like fight bogans to get half price stuff, and also you know sleep your hangover off basically after yeah. Christmas. And then you watch the cricket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Boxing Day test. Yeah, good it's time. actually quite a good day. And then I think about it. I probably prefer Boxing Day to Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially now we're older. You know, it's like Christmas has lost its charm. Yeah, it's a lot more stressful. You know, it's all about like, well, I've got to see these. 27 people boxing day it's just like i'm going to turn off my phone and be an absolute slob and no one's going to judge me for it exactly well boxing day is actually the best time to buy christmas stuff everything's half price. yeah that's, that's what i mean you have to like shoulder off you have to shoulder off a bunch of bogans who you know it's like covid19 panic shopping but for, for like toasters instead of toilet paper i know but i'm saying like <laughs> christmas stuff dude i mean like literally for a christmas tree for next year you know wrapping ornaments all that stuff you get it on boxing day and you save it for next year if you have a garage just chuck it all in there it's true it's pretty cool yeah yeah that's that's true. I reckon it would be easier to just become Jewish and just not celebrate Christmas. Yeah, just do Hanukkah. Yeah. <laughs> or not do either of those and just do Festivus. Festivus, yes, yeah. that too. More secular religion. <laughs> a secular holiday. But yes, do you have any other trivia? Uh, no, but I was going to add to what you just said. No, Jerry did announce on December 26th that the series would end in May. So I don't remember when that happened. Obviously, I was a young kid, but uh, I could imagine for those who are listening to us who lived that moment when they found out that Seinfeld was going to end, it would have been pretty traumatic. Yeah, I, I don't remember that specific moment like I don't remember his actual announcement whether it was like on air or a press release or anything like that but I do remember very soon after just the general vibe of like loss you know everyone knew it was kind of coming because I remember in season seven at the end of season seven when Larry David announced that he wouldn't be returning for the next season you know a lot of people thought well is this going to be the end and Jerry in an interview I've heard a clip for it from it before or I remember it from back in the day he said now that I've got full creative control I want to have a go at least doing one season maybe two so he kind of indicated that he didn't want to take it much further than season nine yeah at the end of season seven so everyone knew that it was probably going to be the last season maybe a tenth season maybe so it wasn't really a big surprise but i remember being very like sad because it was like well this this fantastic show is coming to an end yeah well good things come to an end that's right the last trivia i have is the actor joel mccrary who plays don the mechanic he also played a mechanic in the episode of third rock from the sun called the fifth solomon um and and, uh the mechanic's name in that episode uh, was George. Oh, how ironic. <laughs> Did he eat it? Yeah, so I think I, I, I think that's too coincidental not to be like a little nod to yeah. Seinfeld. It sounds, I mean, because obviously George and him are like that, they interact a lot in this episode. He plays a mechanic. I think Third Rock from the Sun and Seinfeld share maybe same, were they both NBC shows? I thought that was I don't know. NBC. I feel like there's... I think there were. I think Third Rock was NBC. Yeah, I, I feel like they, w- they would have shared like at least maybe some production stuff or something. Like there was some relation that, you know, they were big, like Third Rock from the Sun became big soon up like late 90s early 2000s yeah it's got to be a deliberate choice you know like a little nod as a tribute to Seinfeld oh, definitely I mean because I think it started just as Seinfeld was about to end I think maybe what season 8 and 9 of Seinfeld Third Rock from the Sun started yeah 
yeah. I remember the first couple of seasons because it was so wacky, you know, this like weird alien family coming down and trying to like be humans. It took a couple of seasons to like fully get popular. So I think by the third, fourth season, probably a season or two after Seinfeld had ended is when it really kind of like Seinfeld actually, you yeah, know, it took it yeah. because it was a bit different, um, you know, and Friends was in like full, it was peaking. So it had that to compete with. I think kind of like Seinfeld, it took a couple of seasons for, for it to establish an audience because it yeah. was a bit zany. But man, John Lithgow was so good in it, wasn't he? Oh man, all good. Like Jason Gordon-Levitt, uh, sorry, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. French Yeah, Stewart. John Lithgow, the guy with the squinty eyes. Yeah, French I can't remember Stewart. his name. French Stewart. Yep. Yeah, great show. Yeah. And Just Wh- wacky. And Wayne hilarious. Knight played, uh, played the cop. He actually played a policeman. That's Another true. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I can't remember the woman's boyfriend, the, yeah. the main woman's. Yeah. yeah, she had like the husky voice. That's right. I can't yeah. remember her name. I forgot her name too, but yeah. 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 yeah Wayne oh, well, there's another Seinfeld relation, Wayne Knight. Of course, I forgot all about it. Exactly. Yeah, he played a very significant supporting character in that show. Yeah, and I kind of remember him being Newman-ish-esque. Like he was a bit, was he a bit like maniacal like Newman? Or was he a bit more normal? I think he was maniacal. I think he was a bit more normal, yeah. From memory. Oh, okay. I hope, I'm sure it's on Amazon or something, Third Rock from the Sun. I have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. probably just rewatch it. Yeah, watch a few episodes. Shall we talk about some secondary characters? Indeed. Let's talk about Rick, hey? Yeah. Played by Daniel Hagen. He's known for his work on White Fang, Rose is a Rose is a Rose, and Strange Angel. And uh, he's also lent his voice to many video games, including Death Stranding, Red Dead Redemption 2, and the Skylanders series, among many others. Now, Stephen, I pictured Rick as a man who doesn't like, you know, getting out of his comfort zone. I think think he's a guy who's probably always been pushed around by his bosses and stuff and uh, and maybe in his family life as well I think his wife probably wears the pants in the relationship and he's never really done something he's really wanted to do and I think Kramer brought him out of his shell. Yeah he seems like a very kind of cloistered restricted almost like repressed kind of guy. Yeah repressed um, yes. Yeah and like even you know Kramer's obviously a bit wacky and for a lot of people it would be hard for them to like figure out like what what's this what's the cut of this guy's jib he's a bit weird how do i take him but you know most people would soon adjust to him once they kind of get used to his just energy but the whole time well three quarters of his time with kramer he just seems stressed and on edge and he doesn't know how to handle kramer and i think being sheltered and being a bit repressed he doesn't meet many people who are as weird as kramer and i think he just doesn't know how to deal with someone as zany and unpredictable as kramer and you could you could see it in his face in every scene like he's obviously stressed about the car leaving the lot and wanting to do the right thing but I think some of his stress just comes from not knowing how to like get back control of the situation because Kramer's just so confident. He's like, this is what we're doing. And Rick's just like, I don't know. This this guy is not a normal customer and this is not a normal situation. I don't know what to do. He's just, yeah. he doesn't have any, he's out of his depth completely. This wasn't in the manual. No, no. I think, yeah, he, he seems like someone who is very like, he kind of needs like a, a process for everything. Like he's, he's not for, maybe he's not, probably because of a lack of confidence. He's not very good of, at like thinking on his feet. Yeah, no, I, you know he likes to yeah. He likes routine. Yeah, he needs routine. And I think he's a bit, like I said before, he's a bit afraid to, he always has to toe the line. I think he's a bit scared to like, you know, go over the line. Yeah. 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 I think once he sort of relinquishes control of the situation and just decides to go with it, it's very liberating for him. Because, you know, it, there's one scene where, I can't remember what he says, but Kramer's, you know, Kramer says like, we're going to keep driving, something to that effect. And he just, it, the camera cuts to him and he just looks just beside himself with like stress and anxiety. And then it cuts back and Kramer you know like it cuts to like Jerry or something and then the next scene with him in it you you see him he's just like he's just like a different person 
Yeah. He's completely liberated. He's just, the shackles are off. Yep. And he even goes, like, he wants to challenge Kramer. Like, Kramer's pushing things yeah. to the limit. And Kramer's like, you know what, let's just put fuel in the tank and we're all set. And then now he's like, let's go all the way. Let's go as far as he can go. So he really, yep. he even challenges Kramer. So Kramer challenges him for 90% of the expedition. But then uh, Rick comes in and takes over. Yeah. And I think I think part of him, like, because, you know, they come back to the dealership and they've made it and they're really stoked. But then they keep driving past the dealership. I think he wants to do that because I think the dealership represent like the, it represents the life he no longer wants to live. Yeah. You know, I think him driving away from the dealership is a symbol for him trying to run away from everything in his life that's keeping him, you know, locked down and not not happy and not free. Keeping him from doing his full potential or reaching his full potential. Exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, do you think after, you know, eventually they would have gone back to the, to the showroom, would have returned the car. His boss probably would have said, where were you? What's going on? Like, obviously, he would have had to maybe even gotten fired or definitely reprimanded. Do you think he, like, that that sense of liberation and free-spiritedness would have maintained? Or do you think he would have, like, once he calmed down a bit in the situation, you know, the next day once he went home and slept and he woke up, do you think he would have gone back to his normal self? Or do you think it had a permanent changing of uh, his, his, like, who he is? Well, probably after he got the tow truck to... <laughs> tow the car to the dealership i'm not too sure i mean because it was late at night so maybe there was like no yeah. one around anyway because you know it was like it was at night time when he went back so everything like the, mm. the showroom was probably shut um obviously they didn't have cell phones or you know there weren't many cell phones at that time um he probably i'm guessing he probably went home yeah I, I probably agree with the second part of your question i think he probably went home after he was able to get the car back and stuff and then he felt liberated he felt confident around his wife and his kids and you know he was saying oh, i'm going to do this for the rest of my life i'm going to go in there tomorrow and quit and do this thing i always wanted to do be a writer or whatever and then yeah he would have gone in the next morning and his manager would have given him uh he would have said what the hell have you done and blah 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 blah, and probably just gave him a warning and yeah he probably went back in the line sadly oh okay so do you think do you think it would have it wouldn't have been it w- it's a temporary liberation it's not yeah. a permanent change of, uh, yeah I even think, though he declares even though he declares to kramer like i'm not gonna i'm this is who i am now do you think that he wouldn't have followed through on that oh geez i don't know well i'd like to think that he did follow through and did what he wanted to do but i think a part of me mm-hmm. says that he probably went back to earth so to speak he went back to reality as soon as he went back to the office the next morning as to what he's done yeah yeah and although maybe they took the fuel out of his you know paycheck or something you know as punishment mm-hmm. i have no idea yeah yeah I, what do you think I, I was just thinking i'm like because you know it's pretty hard to, if you've lived your whole life a certain way it's very rare that one event has a permanent change like it can happen mm. but it's usually like a, a sequence of small events that sort of slowly change you over time that makes you different or transform or it's something I really traumatic or significant, you know, something that yeah, and, alters and, your way of life. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, even though this is a pretty memorable experience, I don't think it was like transcendent. It wasn't like some life changing experience. He just met some wacky dude who drove far in a car. Like it, in the big scheme of things, it's not that big of a, big of a deal. But I think it, I think it would have like nudged him in a certain direction. You know, maybe over time he would have built. It, it was like the first step to becoming that more liberated person, rather than being the single event that took him there. You know, it was just like a little push in. In, in a more confident direction rather than the, the one thing. So if anything, it probably made him more confident and assertive in his life and his work, you know? So instead of the manager yeah. pushing him around, he probably fought back and then the manager's like, yeah, oh, geez, like, this guy's a bit different. I better show him some respect. Yeah, I just think it would have, like, given him a bit more self-confidence and it slowly would have... It, it, I think it was, like, the spark that maybe started his slow progression into being a more confident, outgoing person who took more risk and made his happiness a priority rather than just 
just like that single event that can sometimes do that. Yeah. I just don't think it was too, I, don't, I don't think it was profound enough for it to have that immediate impact, but I think it would have woken him up a bit. Absolutely. It would have yeah. woken him up and made him a better person. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he, and, been, and then he, he would have felt like more like himself. Yeah. And then he would have built on that over time and then slowly become a more the, the person that he says he's going to be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you have anything else about Rick? No, but I hope that Rick, uh, after all this, he became, you know, more confident in himself and he was able to assert himself into every situation. Yeah. I, I hope he, uh, you know, he's living his best life, whatever he's doing now. Whatever he's good on him. <laughs> whatever he's, he's doing. Good on Rick. Good on you, Rick. Okay. Let's talk about another uh, worker at the car yard, the mechanic Don. That's right. He loves his chocolates, doesn't he? Played by Joel McCrary. He's known for the films American Beauty, Mystery Men, and Over the Hedge. And uh, Stephen, I think he clearly took the twigs. He took the one that fell and then the one he paid for. Oh, he was guilty. There's guilty. no doubt about it. Guilty as charged. Even George, he's so observant, he spots the uh, cookie on his lip. Cookie crunch. The cookie crunch. The only candy with the cookie crunch. That's a bit of nougat. Uh, <laughs> I know I've been around nougat. long enough to know the difference between nougat and cookie. Yeah, <laughs> I know, George. He's just, he's got, he's put his detective hat on in this situation. Yeah, when it comes to chocolate, he's willing to uh, go all the way. I reckon, man, Don probably pays the college fund for the vending machine guy. I reckon he's really into it. I think he gets chocolates like all day, every day. He probably spends like five, ten bucks a day on freaking junk food. Well, he's a husky gentleman, so mm. that, that might be true. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to think why he's so, like, he's just so mean to George and he just doesn't care. Like, I mean, George is a prick and he doesn't deserve many nice things in his life. But Rick just sort of has it in for him from the start. And he's just like, no, I can't help you. I don't have any one dollar notes. Like he just he's like trolling him, you know, just to fuck with him. And I was thinking, why is he so mean to this person he doesn't even know? And I was thinking maybe both him and Putty were going for the sales job. Putty got it over him and he's just really pissed off. And he's just he's just being an asshole in general because oh, he doesn't yeah. like the fact that he maybe lost the promotion. Maybe he thought he deserved it. And maybe he even observed that, you know, George and Jerry came in and like, you know, maybe he observed them interacting with Putty thinking, oh, they must be friends with Putty. I'm pissed off at Putty. So I'm going to treat this guy like shit. Yes, he would have observed him and, and figured that out. Yeah, actually, that's... That is a really good theory, yeah. I think he did want to get the sales job. He wanted to stop being, as David hates being called, a grease monkey and uh, wanted to be on the floor. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And he was probably wondering, like, in his mind, he was probably thinking, I'm smarter than Putty. I I can sell better than Putty. Why did this idiot get the job? Yeah, he's he's jealous and he's upset uh, that Putty got it over him. And, you know, fair enough, Putty's maybe not the most bright person on earth. Um, and this guy, you know, seems pretty sharp. He knows how to sort of, he's very good at manipulating people. So, and I think not that salespeople are manipulative, but having an ability to get people to do what you want and have control over them to get them to a place where you want them to go, I think is an important skill set. So I think he demonstrates that he could have in sort of in an indirect way that he could have been a good salesman. And I think he's aware of those skills. You know, the fact that he sort of fucks with George, he knows how to just push his buttons and get him to do what he wants sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he knows that about himself and that's another reason why he you know because putty's just a big dope he's just a big dumb dope like he you know he's not i don't think he'd be a very good salesman in terms of like schmoozing and building like rapport and understanding and being able to read people because he's just so dumb but somehow he got it i mean putty's more likable you know he is kind of he's charming and fun so yeah i i yeah i think he thought well i can't i can't sort of go after putty straight away it's his first day as a salesman i've got to like bide my time with putty Mm -hmm. but in the meantime i'll fuck with i'll fuck with his friend yeah just to sort of get uh, just to get out him indirectly or hopefully he was thinking that putty would come to george's aid and then maybe look and look silly on the day you know something would happen yeah. and then and then the manager will come and say oh david 
you don't look as, you know, you, you weren't what you promised in the application or the interview. I better uh, put you back in the mechanics or in the uh, service yeah, department. Yeah, maybe he's trying to sabotage sabotage Putty through George. Maybe, yeah. I think yeah, so. that's, that's a really good that's, theory. Actually, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking, like, why is he so, like, from the get-go, he's just a total prick to George. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. just really mean and cruel and unnecessarily, like, it's unprovoked. And I was thinking, why Why was that? And that's, that's what I think happened. Yeah, and he's very, yeah. yeah, he loves, like I said, he loves his Twix and stuff too. I mean, do you think he uses eating all the junk food as a coping mechanism for the rejection? Or is it just, I guess, because he's a larger man, he just, that's just part of his diet? Well, yeah, no, I think, I think that was just part of his diet because the episode is Putty's first day. So I think, I think the promotion only would have happened, you know, the day before or maybe, you know, two days before. So yeah. I don't think he would have not eaten chocolate and then all of a sudden started eating heaps of chocolate. I think it was there, yeah. uh, you know, beforehand. It's part of his diet. Um, but it, you know, it might have, it might have escalated the amount of, well, it might have increased the amount of chocolate that he ate, but I think he was, you know, a fan of Twix before that. Yeah definitely oh yeah. poor don well he's got to uh yeah i think he's a very cunning guy he's almost like newman you know very you know, conniving and he's got always has yeah. a scheme yeah but he's a bit he's a bit less like dramatic and theatrical than newman he's a bit more like like almost robotic and cold he's the silent like, he's just assassin very, yeah he's very like monotone <laughs> yeah. and he says newman is very like verbose and expressive and like almost shakespearean with yes. his like conniving he's like oh ha, ha, ha. very shakespearean whereas don's yes. a bit more like he's sort of he's a bit more yeah like quiet and methodical yeah very cold and calculated for sure do you think yeah, but he... I, I did like him though he was yeah. he was a fun character I, I always get a, i mean i love george you know george is probably overall my favorite out of the core four but i don't like people who are assholes in real life yeah. so I, I do get a bit of joy when someone sort of you know because all the core four fuck over so many people and that's the whole gist of the show and that's why i love it but if on occasion one of the core four gets fucked over by someone over something as simple as a chocolate, it does give me a bit of joy. So I do, I do like the fact that the whole episode, Don is just he has it over George. The whole like George yeah. doesn't get any. He has no hand. He's yeah, got no, no hand. hand. He doesn't. Yeah, and, and he's going to need it. <laughs> I got, I got hand. You're going to need it. He's, he's got no hand. He's handless. He's in handless. Yeah. In this. In this in this relationship, in, the, in this, so I in do this I do like the fact that he's yeah. like he he knows how to outwit and outsmart and just just sort of poke at George like a he's like a hornet's nest you know he's just poking at him and I, I do like that. Do you think he eventually became a salesman or do you think he's uh, in the servicing department indefinitely? No, look, I think he would have eventually. I think you know at the end of this day, once George and Jerry are gone, I think he would have. Like I said, I think he bided his time a bit just to figure out how to bring down Putty, but I reckon he would have eventually, maybe after a month or something two months you know started to like slowly try and sabotage putty's uh, new job so that he could get it yeah for sure yep. don i hope you're enjoying all your twix and all your other candies that you've taken from customers and uh yeah yeah and i reckon with his new sales bump you know his new salary bump and all the commission he would have gotten he would have grown only larger in size via all the twix that's right and the free donuts too I'll, and the free donuts the that's true <laughs> he would have gone for all those too let's talk about both willie senior and willie jr yes willie jr he was played by michael kagan uh, he's appeared in the tv shows how i met your mother friends and star trek Voyager. Willie Senior was played by Howard Mann. He's known for Malibu's Most Wanted, History of the World Part 1, and The Medicine Show. Uh, he passed away in 2008 in Los Angeles. He was aged 85. Okay. Quite a long life. Mm. Mm. 
Hmm. Anyway, Willie Jr., yeah, I think he's just a guy who doesn't want to work in the servicing department. He probably just got a job just to pay the bills. And I don't think he actually has a mechanics background. Uh, something tells me he's already in, like, management or he knows how to supervise workers and he just probably just went straight in there because I don't think he works on the cars. He's just there at the desk. Yeah, no, he seems more like just an, an office manager who just knows how to run, like, a service department or, you know, like a customer service situation. He, you know, he probably knows a bit about cars just from working there for a little while. He just would have picked up bits and pieces of information. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think he's got a mechanical or automotive background. He's just got a general, I'm an office manager. He kind of just seems like a sort of a no-nonsense dude. Mm. You know, he doesn't really seem too keen to be there, like you said. Yeah. And he just, I think he just likes orderly, well-run offices because that's, you know, that's that's his bread and butter. Absolutely. And yeah, he has his, uh, his off-sider by his side and they talk about different chocolates and stuff. She's pretty good in it too. Yeah, no, she's, she's good. Yeah, she's I, good. Like I said, that's my favorite scene in the whole episode. Just that random, I wouldn't even call it an exchange because no one's talking to each other. They're just all sort of talking. They're just all throwing their sentences in this big bowl of chaos. It's and hilarious. Then, and then George reminds him, he goes, I have the window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me speak. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. So good. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's not a lot to say about Willie Jr. I mean, no. he's, not, he's only in it for that one scene. Uh, but Willie Sr. on the other hand. Oh, he's, he's quite a character. Kooky old man. Yeah, yeah. He's, just, he's an eccentric old kook. He's one of those old people who are like, when I was your age, I walked 10 kilometers in snow with bare feet. Every year he grows older, he adds another couple of kilometers to his uh, to his story. You know, he's just one of those people who likes reminiscing about the good old days. Yeah, it kind of reminds me in a way like a less ridiculous Grandpa Simpson. You know, Grandpa Simpson just makes up lies, mm. but just his his head his head's always like seventy years in the past. Like like I said, like back in my day, this I could get all of this stuff for a nickel, or I'd have to walk to school back uphill both ways 10 kilometers in the snow blizzard yeah he's i think his head is not really in the present no no he's definitely in the past no <laughs> he likes sitting in the chair because someone a customer says to willie jr saying what you let your dad sit there all day and then he goes he likes he it, likes it. <laughs> he must just enjoy a nickel. yeah nickel <laughs> he must enjoy just <laughs> he must just enjoy hanging out with his son yeah look i think he's just he's sort of he's so sort of in it he's such a little space cadet i think he's <laughs> space no, cadet. i think his father's like hang on why why do I have to pay for him to just sit and be a space kid in a nursing home when I can save all that money and just bring him to the office? That's true. I think I think it was like a, you know, he's just like, well, he's just going to be sitting down rambling. Why don't I just get it for free? Yeah, true, true. And that'll save him a lot of money. Yeah. Okay, know. fair. Yeah. Good, good cost-saving measure. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, he does seem a bit like, maybe he's like got early onset dementia or something. Like he's, he's, you know, he's sort of in his own little world. He's not really like connected to the immediate reality of that room. Maybe his son, Willie's, Willie Willie Jr., you know, like my father's only got so much time left and he's sort of, he's not really fully cognizant of what's happening around him a lot of the time. Maybe, you know, I'll bring him to work and I can spend a bit more time with him. You know, maybe there's a nice, you know, motivation there. Yeah. Yeah. He likes to spend the last few years with his dad. Yeah. Yeah, like, because, I mean, if, if I, you know, if my mum or parents-in-law all of a sudden just started sort of talking about waxing nostalgia unnecessarily, I'd be like, oh, something's going on here. Unless if it's about Seinfeld. Minds. Unless if it's about Seinfeld, yeah, then that's, it's all right. that's fine. I mean, that's our normal conversation, so yes. I wouldn't notice the difference. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, like, I'd, I'd be like, oh, maybe maybe I need to spend a bit more time with him because things are starting to slowly end. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Willie Jr. does love his dad and obviously to save money as well, doesn't put him in a nursing home, but he still wants his dad around. He probably admires his dad. Yeah, he but, he, but he, also, he also needs him to shut up. He's like, you know, you can come to the office, but you can't talk. You can't bother the customers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's like, look, you can come and hang out. 
I like I like you being here, but you've just got to not speak. That's it. Well, Willie Senior was really good. No, I liked. Yeah, I like all the secondaries from this show, uh, from this episode so far. Yeah, so far. Yeah, no, they're, they're all good. Yeah, but Willie Senior is my favorite out of the four. Yeah, no, he's good. A nickel. A nickel. Let's get a Hershey friend. Nickel. <laughs> it's such a good like punk. It's such a good like like an ending to that whole scene because it just sort of it punctuates just the chaos of their conversation. Yeah, with it's all just people, like yeah. everyone's like George is like, what's everyone talking about? Like no one's acknowledging my issue, and it's just like a nickel. It just punctuates it beautifully. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he can't uh, read the room. No, no one can. Uh, all right, let's talk about the, I guess, the biggest secondary character of the episode, uh, David Putty. Yeah, in the context of this episode, of course, we all know he's played by the wonderful Patrick Warburton. Yeah, that's right. So I guess, yeah, we have done an episode of him, uh, his own episode previously, so go back and listen to that one. But I guess in the context of this episode, we have seen him as a mechanic. So we have seen him, you know, changing engines and changing oil and fixing this and that and yada, yada, yada. But uh, he's uh, cleaned up and he's wearing a suit and he's in the or he's wearing uh, office wear and he's in the uh, showroom yeah no he scrubs up okay yeah he does normally he's in overalls or just like flannels um but you know he looks good with a shirt and tie he sort of yeah he, he dresses the part well something tells me that you know we were mentioning before about him possibly getting the job over Don. I think mm. maybe someone, I think because you mentioned earlier that he has like a bit of charisma despite his low intelligence, he's actually a charismatic guy in a way. I think yeah. maybe one of the managers picked up on it and maybe offered him a position. I don't think he actually went for it. So I think we can go by the narrative mm-hmm. that Don the mechanic mm-hmm. wanted the job and he was really keen and he kept trying to prove time and time again, you know, that he can have the job and then they're like, no, you're not quite ready. But then Putty comes along or Putty's in there and then, you know, one of the managers notices him and they give Putty like an informal interview and say do you want to have a go at a you know being a salesman mm, and it was something that yep. Putty wasn't really chasing it just happened he's like oh okay if it'll stop yeah, me like, yeah if it stop me you know being drenched in oil every day coming home then why not yeah yeah no i i i would agree with that assessment for mm, sure yeah, yeah and that and that would have just pissed off don because you know don maybe you know just sort of going back to don because i'm just thinking about him again because you kind of brought him up just an additional point i think maybe if if we sort of change our theory a bit of rather than you know they both interviewed for the job and putty got picked if it was offered to him without him applying for it i think maybe that made don a bit jealous which would have contributed to him not well, we've already said jealous but it made him it made him like like sort of feel bad about himself maybe because yeah. he thinks well hang on i'm intelligent i've been here for a while why aren't i getting the job you know and i think maybe don is is a bit uh because he's, he's not a very like nice person you know he's quite cold and a bit awkward and a bit weird yeah whereas putty even though like you said he's dumb you can be yourself around him he's just an everyman he's just a dumb he's a he's a guy you know he's a he's a bro he's a guy yeah and and don you know seems intelligent and thoughtful uh, well, not thoughtful, but he calculating. Yeah, I think he's maybe jealous of Putty's like just ability to make people relax around him, even though he is a bit dose uh, a bit doughy. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think I think it maybe would have made Don realize, hang on, there are certain aspects of my personality that I don't like. I don't really know how to change them, so I'll just continue being an asshole. Whereas Putty's just like coasting along. He's kind of just failing upwards. He's failing upwards, yeah. Exactly. Like when we talked about Kenny Banya a couple of episodes ago, yeah. you know, like he's getting all these gigs despite the fact he's not the funniest comedian. Um, Yeah, Putty's yeah. certainly like that. He parallels Banya. He's just failing upwards. He's getting opportunities and he's not even trying. Yeah, but sometimes that happens. Like sometimes if you just sort of like constantly yourself and you almost like deliberately not aware of you know how how other people might feel you're just like i'm just who i am i'm just going to be putty things kind of just 
happen for you. Like yeah. I've seen that happen so many times in life. So I think it's a realistic take on how some people just sort of coast through life and things seem to just kind of work out without even trying. Yeah, putty's a, a figure, you know, putty's like an allegory of that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. The the high-fiving thing is very, very annoying. Like yeah. I love I love it as part of his character, but if I had a friend or anyone in my life, a colleague, whoever, even you, love you, mate, love doing the podcast, but if all of a sudden you just started high-fiving me or doing something like that, if you were just like fist bumping or high-fiving or like, you know, like a little, like a saying between us or something and you were just trying to like G it up all the time. I wouldn't ask I would you to fist say, me though, so that'd be a bit awkward. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd probably, I'd, like, I'd, I'd probably say started, high-five before fist me. Yeah, if you just started to like crowbar in and force this like little custom between us every time we saw each other, I would have a very low tolerance for that. Fair enough. Well, so these I days... With I this understand why Elaine's just like, ugh, <laughs> and Jerry. Well, these days with coronavirus, the worst thing that you probably get or the best thing you get from me is like an elbow bump, if I did something like that. Yeah. You'd be like, elbow bump. But it could even be something like non-physical. Like, you know how some people like try and like force a nickname? Like, have you ever had that in your life where someone just has this idea in their head? They're like, I'm going to do this thing now. And they just try and force it on everyone. And everyone's like, no, yes. no, that's just yeah. just stop that. Yeah, I, I understand why, <laughs> why Jerry and Elaine are just like, you need to stop. Yeah, you need But to Putty, stop. like we said, he's just always unapologetically himself. He's just like, no, I'm going to continue high-fiving. If you don't like it, go, go, like, piss off. And even though Jerry knows he's going to get a really good deal on a black Saab, the fact that he didn't do it cost him the opportunity to get the good car but then he does end up yeah. getting the black Saab as we see in later episodes so he did yeah, end up doing the deal once they he got elaine and putty back together well hang on doesn't he doesn't he sacrifice the deal because he doesn't want to he, he doesn't want to high five him so i think i think he yeah would have gotten the black Saab, but he would have had to pay through the nose and he wouldn't have gotten the, the oh, insider's deal that's true yeah no he wouldn't have got the insider's deal but no, but no he would have got the black Saab. yeah but he probably would yeah, have paid full yeah, price I mean, <laughs> yeah and i like i was like and you know and just sign here and you have a yellow Saab, and he's like but i wanted a black one not at that price <laughs> not at that price <laughs> I know. he just becomes cold he just becomes yeah, like a typical salesman definitely yeah do you have anything else about putty in the episode nah nothing else for me mate let's take one more break and uh, we're going to come back and find out where the dealership sits in our greatest episodes of all time and if any of today's secondaries make our top 20 lists what exactly is the problem one of your guys kip or ned short name stole my twix candy bar are you saying he grabbed your candy bar away from you he might as well have i caught him and his face was covered in chocolate and cookie crumbs Season 9, episode 11, The Dealership. Where does it sit for you, Ivan, in the episodes we've reviewed so far? Out of 124 episodes, Stephen, uh, number 86. So uh, okay. you mentioned, yeah, classic, but yeah, I liked Kramer's subplot and George was just really wacky, but I don't know. It's just, um, I, I know it's a fan favourite and a lot of Seinfeld fans love it, but I don't know. It's just like an episode which I watch and I'm like, yeah, there's funny bits, but it's not something that I'd go back to. Okay, no, fair enough. No, look, when I said classic, I don't mean... It's as uh, I don't I agree with you. I don't think it's as good as, you know, other classic episodes like The Opposite or The Marine Biologist. But I just I meant more of it is typically one of those episodes that everyone kind of knows. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, it's got a lot of classic material, even though I think for maybe more discerning fans like us, it's not as held. It's not held in as high regard as other classics. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of people on like Seinfeld Facebook groups and stuff love this episode and like it's a fan favorite. But yeah, look, if it was on, I'd watch it. But I wouldn't just be watching and be like oh my god this episode yeah yeah i love it yeah now like i said i agree and for me it sits at number 77 so 77. slightly higher than yours yeah yeah i i do really like don both of the willies were cool i really thought that all the secondaries in this were really cool they were kind of all brought their own little vibe yeah. you know sometimes you get a mix of 
like there's you know there's four or five like pretty good secondary characters or like substantial secondary characters most of the time there's like two good and two like forgettable but i think everyone was of a pretty high standard for this episode which was cool yeah absolutely yeah there's certainly uh some secondary characters that i do appreciate for sure speaking of do any of them appear in your top 20 no but do any appear in yours no 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 but uh definitely special mention to willie senior just for being an old kook <laughs> oh yes a nickel a nickel a nickel <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah well next week Stephen, we're actually heading to season three and we're talking about another bottleneck episode the parking garage oh i love this yes. episode Euromycetosis. Euromycetosis. i could have gotten neuromycetosis and died and died i oh, know so yeah another bottleneck <laughs> episode how coincidental huh yeah no, remember, these are randomly uh, picked. yeah we've, we've had a few coincidences like that so mm. it happens thank you so much for listening and uh you can follow us on social media at b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c you can also email us bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com uh, all those links are in the show notes and uh, we are on patreon and paypal if you want to donate some monies to help support us and keep the shows going that's right until next week i'm Stephen. i'm ivan and uh we'll see you all next week for the pug garage catch you later catch you later <laughs>